listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you right across Australia from Hobart, Tasmania. And this morning with David Maxwell from Launceston. Welcome, David. Good to be with you, Jason. Yeah, good to have you. We will be continuing your topic. And in fact, this is the last of your first series, uh, studying Psalm 23 today. Yes, that's right. Now, uh, I'll just let our listeners know we have a number that you can text us on, you can ask questions, you can send in feedback. Our number is 0488880891. Now, that number is just for Tassie Encounters, but feel free to interact with us on that number. And later in the program, we will have an offer that uh, we'll give you more detail about as we go on. Now, David, uh, it's coming on to winter here, and uh, there's been a bit of snow on Mount Wellington. Uh, We've had lots of rain this week, not so much snow, but uh, earlier we had a bit of snow. And uh, it makes me wonder, have you ever been snow skiing? Uh, Yes, I have, Jason. I did it first when I was 15. It was in the Air Force. We went up to Falls Creek, of all places, from Wagga for a day. And really, really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd I'd never been skiing before. I didn't want to waste the whole day. So I did uh, early morning uh, practice uh, lesson and then was a little perturbed that they were going to spend most of our afternoon doing another uh, lesson. So I ignored that one. And uh, so I never got to parallel ski and going down Falls Creek, uh, towards the last one of the last little bends there that they they now have called the home run or, or wombat's ramble i think it's called i i went over some little bumps and just about broke my leg yeah. so not wanting to break that tradition about 30 something years later uh, we got um, assigned to victoria so we uh, go up to Falls Creek again to have a, a ski and really enjoyed that again. And I, and I did a lesson this time and I was able to then parallel ski. A little while after that, we were at uh, Mount Buller and I was having a, a sneaky ski in the season. Uh, I took a day off to go and have a ski just before I was about to present a, a series, a public series. And so as I was, it was a really, really windy day. They had all the lifts shut. There was only uh, two or three lifts on the whole mountain that were open. So I went down this particular hill and uh, I got about halfway down and then realised that the lift that would bring me back up that easy part was closed. And the only lift that would bring me back up the mountain would be to go all the way to the bottom. Mm. Now, this was a black run. This last part, the top run, was what, an easy run. What does what does a black run mean? So a black run means very experienced people only, okay. which I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and they have something on that um, called, uh, I can't remember what it's called now, it's like a slalom. Yeah. And they have all these mounds yeah. all the way down. And so you have to be good to be able to manoeuvre through these mounds. Yeah. And not only were there the mounds, it was very, very steep. So as I as I go down this, I thought, oh, I'll, I'll give it a shot. It doesn't look too bad. And as soon as you get over the edge and start going down, you realise how bad this is. This was this, a bad this, idea. <laughs> this was a bad idea. And I, I, I only went a couple of metres and I tumbled and fell. And luckily, my arm broke my fall. But unluckily... Um, it actually broke something. Uh. <laughs> uh, the tip of my ulna was fractured. And I, I kept skiing for about another two hours um, with 
It didn't seem too painful. Mm. And until I was standing with my poles and just twisted my arms a little bit and thought, oh, something's moving in there that shouldn't be. And so I stopped for the day, found out I had a, um, we went to a doctor, got x-rays, had a broken arm. So I'm in a cast for the first night of my public presentations. <laughs> and so I learned that may, maybe scuba diving might be better, but I still love skiing. I really love it. You like to scuba dive, do you as well? I used to scuba, yeah. scuba dive a lot, but uh, I don't do that anymore. It's two things that I have neither done uh, either skiing or scuba diving, actually. I've, I've done a bit of snorkeling. I love doing that. But, um, yeah, I haven't actually done the training to do scuba diving. So, Oh, well, I'll, I'll talk about that next time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. snow skiing, I, uh, I've, I've wanted to go all my life, but somehow or another I just haven't made it. So one yeah. day, one day perhaps. Yes, it can be a challenge. It yeah. can be a challenge. So we're going to complete this in-depth look in Psalms 23 today. And as we do this this morning, I'd like to look at the last attribute of uh, the Good Shepherd. Mm. Um, This is the one that most people don't like to focus on too much about the justice of God, but it is an important part of his character. Mm. Um, And I was wondering, to kick us off, I'm wondering if you could read Psalms 23, the last two verses, 5 and 6 for us. Yeah, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. It says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm. Yeah, these are, these are great verses. But before we go any further, we've forgotten to pray. So yeah, let's, um, let's have a prayer before we get started, hey? Mm. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We're able to look through this fabulous psalm that so many people have been comforted by over the years. And so, Lord, we ask that you would open your word again to us today as we read in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when when we read this particular verse or these couple of verses, there's this idea of justice coming in here, that my enemies are there. And often... We really want people to get what they deserve. I want to use an illustration to start with. I saw a picture many years ago of a lady who had been cheated on by her husband. And this happens quite a lot, I'm assuming, <clears throat> these days more than, more than in the past. But this lady got her revenge. Her husband was a professional businessman. And she waited until he uh, had his Audi really nice brand new Audi parked out the front of her house and she um, went and got a few pickaxes from the hardware store and she put a pickaxe through every panel including the windows of the car and this was this was posted on the internet yeah you can actually google it and and have a look at the picture yourself it's a terrible thing to do to an audi let alone if it was yours and and they put she put one axe through the bonnet an axe through each of the doors um, an axe in the front windscreen in the i don't think she did the side windows but she did all the panels um, that were able to take a pickaxe without breaking a window so she uh, you know how the window front window is protected so you know yeah. strengthened so she yeah. puts an axe through that as well and as you look at it you 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 your your own person seems to have this sense of satisfaction he got what he deserved you know how dare he do that kind mm. of thing to someone and i can remember actually feeling like that in the past about 
other people and things that they do to us. You know, when bad things happen, it's not difficult for us to want them to get what's coming to them. You know, it's this concept of karma, if you like. You reap what you sow. And we find it really, really easy (laughs) in our humanity to say, you'll get yours, you'll see. Have you ever found yourself thinking like that as well, Jason? I'm sure I you have. Know. I have on on occasion, and uh, I I won't share the particular circumstance, but um, <laughs> I do. What I will share is that um, there was a, a verse of the Bible that stuck in my mind, which said, mm. "Revenge is mine," says the Lord, mm. and uh, that that reminder that it's not our place to take revenge, and so that was the thing that held me back from doing anything. So. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's something that it's actually quite difficult for us to fight against that desire for someone who's done something bad to not get back at them in some way, even if it's uh, quite subtle. Mm. Um, we, we, I guess when I when I see, I guess I'm attracted to uh, the idea of the underdog being helped or or winning or whatever it might be, probably from my own schooling and when I was um, bullied at school. Many young people or older people today were bullied at school in some way. And so you had this feeling, boy, you're going to get yours. And when I was in the Air Force many years ago, I can remember being the only Christian at a a ripe, ripe young age of 15 and they gave me physically a really hard time. And I'm sure things are a little different today, but back then it was sort of understood that 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 those peers around you would mold you into the shape that they wanted you to be mm. and so in doing that they they used some oh fairly harsh ways of doing that as a young person and i caved you know i went i went along with what they uh, wanted me to do but i remember thinking when they were doing some of those things boy you're going to get yours one day mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not the right way to think it's not, and the the Bible teaches us to think differently. So, yeah. Mm. Um, we're going to go to a break. Uh, just remember our number today, our show number. It's 0488 880891. And uh, we'll share an offer with you in the coming segments. Uh, but right now we're going to go to a break with this piece of music. It's called My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness. So trying to key in on the surely goodness and mercy part of this verse as well. So God is good to us. My heart is filled with thankfulness to him who bore my pain, who the depths of my disgrace and gave me life again who crushed my curse of sinfulness and clothed me in his light and wrote his law of righteousness with power upon my heart Filled with thankfulness to him who walks beside me, who floods my weakness. And 
lives with strength and causes fears to fly. Who's every promise is enough for every step I take? Sustaining me with arms of love and crowning me with grace. My heart is filled with thankfulness to Him who reigns above. Wisdom is my perfect peace, whose every thought is love. That was Keith and Kristen Getty with My Heart is Filled with Thankfulness. So, David, we've been looking at Psalm 23. We're at the last two verses now, and uh, it seems as though these last two verses really wrap up this psalm, but in particular sort of give this concept of uh, vindication. Yeah, that's right, Jason. It's it's something that everybody seems to need is vindication in some way. So here in Psalms twenty three, the first part of these last two verse, verses, Psalms twenty three verse five, God promises to prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Or in the Hebrew, it it, it says prepare a table for me opposite my foes. So you know what's going on here is God taunting them or throwing it in their faces that they're lost because that's the idea here that these. These are the enemies of God, if you like. Um, What's God's attitude to those who've wronged him? It's very important for me when I read verses like this that that sometimes fly in the face of God's amazing love, mm. that I that I go first and remind myself of, what, okay, what, what does God say his character is like? So I come back to Exodus chapter 30, um, 34, and I read these verses again, 34 and verse uh, 6 and 7. God is passing before Moses. He's covered him in the cleft of the rock. And he goes past. He doesn't get to see what God looks like, but he hears what God is like. And God says, this is the, the Lord speaking. He says, I'm merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression and sin. And that's all kinds of sin. That's rebellious sin, that's um, mistaken sin where you don't really want to do it but you find yourself doing it, and sin is basically anything that, that breaks God's law and it's so deep we often don't even know we're doing it. And, and then as we finish this verse, this is the one that tends to trip people up. It says, 
by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, because of this part of the verse, the Israelites had created a proverb, if you like, uh, and, and we read this over in Ezekiel 18, and God tells them, stop using this proverb because you're misusing it. The proverb was, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, meaning the, the fathers have done something wrong and the children are going to pay for it. And God says, you're not going to do that anymore. Don't don't keep using that proverb because it doesn't describe what I'm like. Mm. In Ezekiel 18, you find him talking about this and he says, this is what it's like. All souls are mine. Everyone belongs to me. The soul that sins will die. But if a just man does what's right, then he'll live, says God. And so he says, it's only the person who does wrong is the one that should die. And chapter 18 of Ezekiel, you see this repeated over and over again. Um, and, and you see God's desire for salvation as he repeats in this chapter, do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die and that they should turn from their way and live, he says. So I don't have any pleasure in verse 32 for the death of the one that dies. So turn and live. And then a few chapters over in 35, I see him pleading again in chapter 33. I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked should turn from his way and live. So turn, turn from your evil ways. For why would you die, O house of Israel? So in this, we see God's attitude of his care for people who are rejecting him. You know, he wants he wants us to be saved. Even when he was here, Jason, Jesus was crying out to save Israel, the ones that were, you know, persecuting him and giving him a hard time and the leaders. Mm. Um, he, he cries as he comes into Jerusalem towards the end of his ministry. He says, how often I'd wanted to gather your children together like hand gathers chicks in um, Matthew 23, but you wouldn't have it. So here we see this longing for God and, and a sense of perplexity, if you like, at our senseless decisions. God gives life or he says, you don't have to have my life. These, these are the two options. Mm. But if you have my life, you'll live forever. Mm. Okay, yes, we might die and rest in the meantime like we talked about. But we have this life forever. Why would you choose not to have that? Yeah. And God is perplexed. Um. I'm just thinking of, you know, when Christ was on the cross, those words, those famous words that he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That Even in that circumstance, God or Jesus was, was appealing for uh, the people, you know, that, that were doing wrong, even yeah. at that time. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and to God, it just seems like a senseless waste. Mm. And, and we see this in our own world. You know, when it comes to the amount of food, you know, we see the TV ads of people starving in Africa, and it's true. Many, many people, hundreds of thousands of people go to bed every night in our world mm. hungry, as in missing a meal. Hundreds of thousands of people. And yet the wealthy, wealthier um, nations throw out so much food that we would easily be able to feed them if we just weren't so greedy in our politics. Mm. Um, and so we see this senseless waste. God also sees this senseless waste. So, you know, what's, what's happening here in the Psalms? Well, in John 14, 1 to 3, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to prepare a place and then he's going to come back. 
in Revelation 19 and verse 9, it's, re- it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in Revelation 20 and verse 19, we see this strange act. We see this destruction of the wicked. We'll come back and we'll read that in a moment uh, or a little bit later on. And we, we see that it's in the presence of the Lamb. So it's in the presence of Jesus. It's in the presence of God the Father. It's in the presence of the righteous, so those who've accepted God. And they're in the holy city, and the wicked are all around, and the wicked get destroyed. And and we think this, this seems really foreign to God's amazing love. Mm. As we dig a bit deeper, what we see in Psalms, a little bit further on in Psalms, chapter 78. Now, we talked about Asaph before. Yeah. Asaph was um, one of the singers, one of the songwriters. And so we have Asaph recording quite a few psalms as well. And as we look further in the Bible, what we can see is we can see other verses giving more meaning. And here in Psalm 78, verse 18, we see that Asaph relates what God was doing in his help for the children of Israel We can see this related to like setting a table. Let me read the verses for you. And they tested God in their heart by asking for food, for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now, this is not talking about God setting a a bench and putting a, a, a tablecloth on it and putting the meal out. It's speaking like he's providing for their needs. Mm -hmm. He's giving them what they need. And because it goes on and it says how he did that. Behold, he struck the rock, so the waters gushed out, so they had water. Uh, can he also give bread? Can he provide meat for his people? And we know he did both of those things. Mm. He gave them the birds. They could eat um, the small birds that, that came. But they also were able to have um, the manna every, every single day. Mm. It's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's really important, I think, isn't it, that we we don't just take one verse and look at that, but we actually go and look at uh, the overall picture that the Bible presents in different locations. It helps us to understand um, things better when we do that. I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And so what I'll do is I'll take us now to the final rebellion. I'll go to Revelation 20, that verse that I mentioned before, and I just want to read these verses of what is actually happening here. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and he will go out and deceive the nations, which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, that's God's enemies, to gather them together to battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. That's a terrible statement that there are so many people who reject God. Mm. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. And that's uh, devoured is a word that means completely, completely destroyed them. And I wonder as I look at this, this final rebellion with God uh, dealing with what's happening here, dealing with sin, how will... We feel, you know, we read about how will God feel. God, this is a foreign act. Somewhere else in the Bible, it mentions that this destruction, this act of God is a foreign act. It's an unusual act. It's against his principles of love, if you like. Mm. And he's terribly disappointed that people 
don't choose him. And, and how are we going to feel? Are we going to feel satisfied? Are we going to feel jubilant that those people outside the city that gave us a hard time, there'll be people out there who did that? But when I look at it and I think, well, hang on a minute, maybe there'll be someone I know outside the city. In Matthew chapter 7, it talks about um, not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do what I say. You know, the, the obedient, they're the ones who go into the, the city. So there's people that we know, and we pray it won't be us, but there'll be people that we know that are pretending to be Christians and are not really Christians, and they'll be outside. And perhaps there'll be someone in that group out there that we know very well, that we've strived to save, we've done all we can to try and help them and lead them to God, and they'll have chosen not to follow. Mm. You know, Jesus talks about sheep and goats, and some of our listeners would have heard that parable. And there's some that think they're, they're, they're safe, but in the end they're not, um, because they don't really know the Good Shepherd. And, and this idea that there is people out there that we know, that we love, that we've worked for greatly, um, this should really drive us to do our very, very best, do our utmost. As Jude talks about snatching them out of the fire, he means doing everything you can, even if your fingers get a bit burnt. Do what you can to bring people to Christ. Mm. And this is what Paul talks about in Second Corinthians 5, about being God's ambassadors, because he wants people so desperately to be saved. He wants us to have that same heart for people. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy for the, for us to wish bad against people who seem bad, but um, God wants, actually wants the opposite, doesn't He? He wants us to actually love our enemies and uh, and want them to turn to Him. Yeah, you're right, and it's not the way the world teaches, is it? No, no. We're going to go to a break. Remember our number, 0488 And uh, this uh, number will give you a, a bit more information in our next segment on the book that we're going to be giving away today. It's called Investigating the Judgment. Um, David will give us a bit more info shortly about that in our next segment. This is Blessings by Laura Story. Protection while we sleep We pray for healing For prosperity We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering And all the while You hear each spoken Yet love is way too much to give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near? What if trials of this life? Your mercies 
Blessings by Laura Story, and um, it makes me think sometimes we we don't like our circumstances. Sometimes things are not going smoothly for us, but uh, this song reminds us that sometimes we need to be challenged a little bit. Sometimes mm. we need to uh, have those experiences to in order to turn back to God. So. Mm. Yeah, now, uh, David, I uh, said we'd give a bit more information about our book. Um, our number, remember, 0488-880-891. The book is titled Investigating the Judgment. Do, do you want to tell mm. us a little bit about that? 
Yeah, yeah, no worries. Uh, John T. Anderson spent many, many years um, putting this together. It's a culmination of 20 years of study. And the, uh, John delves into Jewish traditions of Yom, Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. Uh, there's, there's so much. It was also called a Day of Judgment um, for, the, for the Hebrews. He examines the account of divine retribution from Genesis to Revelation, um, and he he analyzes the meaning of tzedak or cleansing, what it means to cleanse the sanctuary. He finds that God follows consistent patterns in the process, inviting his creatures to investigate before he executes judgment. Very interesting book. So um, I'm sure our listeners will will enjoy getting a copy and having a read of that. Yeah, and we'll give you a code um, in a little while. So keep listening. Uh, now, David, we've been talking about um, the vindication that uh, God will bring in the in the end. Um, we've been talking about uh, in Revelation, where we're talking about being surrounded by these people. Mm. But uh, there's a little bit more left in this uh, verse that we want to delve into. So. Yeah, and it's it's a very eye-opening section as we go into it. You know, from God's attitude to the lost that's recorded in the Bible and also through Jesus' life, we see that he longs for the lost to be saved. He does everything possible to save them. And when they are saved, he doesn't want us to just think, whew, lucky for me, I made it. Mm. <laughs> he, 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 it's his desire that then they will take an active part. Um, this is what talked about being an ambassador do what God would do, um, being, take an active part in leaders, leading others to this life-giving water, their good shepherd, um, like he does for us, and that they might find themselves on the right side of the, inverted commas, table, if you like, on that last day. Mm. So why wouldn't when we have such a great shepherd, as the psalmist goes on, um, do this for people? Well, he uncovers some more reasons as we go back to Psalms and we have a look at this again. So the second part of uh, chapter 23 and verse 5, <clears throat> it says, He anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. In Bible times, a good shepherd would uh, check the sheep out at the end of the day. So he would uh, bring all the sheep, he would inspect them all, he would see which ones were uh, injured in any way, maybe scratched or cut, and he would take them aside and he would rub gently rub soothing oil into the cuts and scrapes. Now, I'm sure you can't see a farmer doing that today um, mm. with, you know, 2,000 sheep. Um, do you reckon uh, a farmer would go and spend that time uh, looking I, after the sheep i think uh i think the sheep simply uh, get put through the dips and off they go <laughs> they don't have yeah a lot of time i, I for think there's far far too much for modern day farmers to be concerned about and they're more concerned about uh, their money and their time than uh, looking after some scratches and bumps for some sheep mm. but you see david was a good shepherd and he reflects on the good shepherd you know and he likens this care to the care that the Father, that God the Father has for us. Mm. In Psalms 92 and verse 10, the psalm, psalmist calls it rich, beautiful, or fresh oil. That's a direct translation. Mm. And as we see, um, we, we were talking in the break about how the things in the Bible have direct relevance to the person writing it, but it also has many of the, the things that we read in the Bible have prophetical significance. So that means it applies to those who were reading it, 
the first readers, but it also applies to many different people over time. And so as we see this word oil being used in the Bible, often in the Bible, oil alludes to the Holy Spirit. And I see in this how our Good Shepherd dresses our spiritual bumps, if you like, and bruises each day. Mm. And he gives us a fresh dose of the Holy Spirit every day as we come to him. He refreshes us and invigorates us for the next day. So, you know, when Jesus comes to us, even when we're not able to come to him, this leads us into the next part because it says in the next part, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And the Hebrew word here for mercy is the same word used in the description of God that we read earlier in Exodus 34, 7. And, and I guess that would be expected. But what comes next really blows to me away. The Hebrew translated as follow also means pursues. So I can read it, goodness and mercy pursues me all the days of my life. So if true goodness and true mercy is are characteristics of God, God is pursuing me all the days of my life. This paints a picture to me of how much God loves me. Mm. A powerful picture. And he pursues me all the days of my life. He, he's not dissuaded by our casual rebuffs. You know, Someone once read a book, or wrote a book, I think it was um, Morris, uh, Pastor Morris Venden, and he said that the book title was It's Hard to Be Lost. In other words, God will hunt you down. Mm. <laughs> he, he tries everything possible, not in a bad way, everything possible to try and reach you with his love. Um, and, and he convicts us of sin and he doesn't give up. Now, humans, we don't work like that. You know, we have we have this three strikes in your out attitude, you know, like you hurt me once. OK, uh, I'll put up with that. You hurt me twice. Well, that's two strikes. One more. And I'm not forgiving you anymore. And sometimes you know? it's not even three strikes, David. Yeah. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's, it's just one and you're out. But uh, yeah, out. yeah, we, we but, need to uh, we need to develop that. Um, I guess that attitude of forgiveness and uh, n- not that we should stand and uh, you know, put ourselves out to be hurt over and over again, but um, but we certainly should forgive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's not how we've been taught to think. We've we've been taught three strikes and you're out. But yeah. you know, even Peter, you know, Peter, this headstrong disciple of Jesus, uh, comes to Jesus and he says, "How how often should we forgive?" And I had this um, idyllic number. Um, 70 as a, an idyllic perfect number and he says should i forgive seven times and jesus says no 70 times seven mm. so 490 times jesus is saying there's no end to the forgiveness if someone genuinely comes and asks it's up to you to forgive mm. because that's what god does to us and this shows also god's amazing love that he he pursues me he tracks me down he tries everything possible yeah to, to get me to hear his love and mercy. And I'll share about um, a, a, another Bible character who God did that with um, after the break. But, yeah. you know, we about as good as we give is the three strikes. Yeah. But God is basically saying, no, don't, don't, don't just limit yourself to that. I forgive you as much as you need. So mm. you forgive others in the same way. Mm. Well, let's go to a break. Um, Remember our book offer today, Investigating the Judgment. We'll give you the code straight after the break. Uh, But now as we go to the break, Better Than a Hallelujah by Sarah Hart. 
Heart with Better Than a Hallelujah and I think that was originally sung by Amy Grant. I think the song was written by Amy Grant as well. Um, so I promised the code for our book offer today and that code is the word AMAZING with the number 6 at the end. So AMAZING6 no spaces. Just text in AMAZING6 to get the book called Investigating the Judgment. Now, David, we're on our last uh, little section and uh, there's a little bit more to go and then we're going to summarise our our seven-part study on Psalm 23. Mm. Um, so I'll hand back over to you to finish off this study today. Yeah, thanks, Jason. So before the break, we shared that God isn't a three strikes and you're out kind of a God, and and this is this is important when we look at His judgment. 
and is justice. You know, justice is an important part of a character, a, a holy character, because who doesn't want to see justice when they're done wrong? All of us want to see that. Mm. Well, I also shared that the the second half of this um, these two verses we're looking at, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me or pursue me all the days of my life. And this, when I look at what God did for Nebuchadnezzar, uh, I see that he pursued him. He absolutely pursued him until he would either denounce or accept him. And he finally accepts God. God knows what it takes to save us. He knows what it took to save Nebuchadnezzar. And he knew that perhaps deep down, Nebuchadnezzar really wanted to believe, but he needed some evidence. So God will always provide the evidence you need if you really want to believe. Mm. I see he did the same for Judas. You know, he nurtured him three and a half years. You know, there's a time with Judas... He sends out the 12 and he says, go and heal, um, cast out demons, um, preach the good news. And it doesn't say 11 were given that gift. It says all 12. Mm. So Judas was even included in this blessing of having Christ's power to go and save people, to go and um, release them from the, the chains of addiction or whatever else they had. And, and and he had a part in that. And so the, I see in this Jesus is nurturing him, trying every possible way to entice him to give up his selfish ways and turn his life over to, to Jesus. But he refuses. He just refuses. But Jesus pursues him right to the very end. Even in the garden as he betrays him, he calls him friend. Jesus never stops. He never stops. And it's the same for you and I. The Good Shepherd continually seeks us out or pursues us and draws us with the Holy Spirit nearer and nearer. He never leaves or forsakes, as he's promised. We're the ones that leave him. Mm. And finally, finally in this verse, these verses, David says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, One of the uh, illustrations I've seen this is uh, used to illustrate this is a a great big pile of rope. Just think of a 20-metre-long pile of rope, and and even that's limiting eternity. And if you just get the first inch and wrap it in uh, sticky tape or something, and then look at that first inch of the 20-metre tape, our life here can be represented by that little one inch piece of tape and the eternity is the bit that follows you know okay 20 meters plus all the rest and and we can't really understand what it means for eternity something that'll go on forever this is a wonderful promise and although when i read it in the hebrew it gives me even more encouragement because it says and i will return or dwell in the house of the lord all my days So when we look at how life starts on this earth, we see that Adam and Eve started in a perfect perfect environment. They were walking with God. They were spending time with him. And now here, through the psalmist, is a promise that we're going to return to that condition. We're going to return to that perfect place. In Revelation 21.3, we have a promise that the tabernacle or house of God is with men. This, this new earth that he recreates here, he is going to come down and live with us here. 
and we'll be returned to the perfection that God originally intended for us. And, and this is really important, that sin is going to be completely removed. This is justice. Justice is God returning us, because of Jesus' sacrifice, returning us to that perfect environment that, we, that he really wanted for us. Mm. So the Good Shepherd vindicates us. He's the one that passes judgment on those who've opposed us. He is the one who ensures that we're properly cared for both now and forever because we don't know what people's hearts are about. We don't know how they've been hurt, Jason. You know, we don't know um, where they're really at. They might be just responding out of their own pain and hurt. Mm. But in essence, they might be connected with God, and we don't really know. Mm. So, you know, when people are attacking us, we have to realise that perhaps they're not attacking me because of me. Perhaps they're attacking me because of something they've experienced. Mm. And so I can take it to God. He can give me the strength, and like we were talking about in the break, he can provide for me right here and now, yeah. and he promises to do that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, we, we are often wronged, we have a desire to have justice served on people, like I mentioned at the start. We like to see people get what what's coming to them, but God isn't like that. And if we really remember, if we think about it, if we got what was coming to us because of the stuff we've done, then none of us would really have any hope because we're all guilty. Mm. And Jesus hasn't given up on us, and uh, obviously once if we respond to him, then uh, he wants us to... Uh, to share the news with other people as well, that uh, that they can also have a relationship with him and uh, and continue mm. to uh, look forward to, I guess, that eternal hope and that eternal time where we spend with him. Yeah, God wants them to experience that same mercy and grace. Yeah, yeah. So, so just wrapping up today, David. Yeah, I'd like to wrap up the whole series that we've been talk, talking about. So because... The Lord is my shepherd. I will not lack any good thing. We talked about that first week. Mm. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he gives me the rest that I need physically, spiritually. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me where I need to go. Not often, not always where I want to go, but he leads me where I need to go. And we have to remember that, that God wants the best for us. And we struggle, we go through things sometimes. But like that song you used earlier, sometimes those challenges are the things that grow us to be better people. Mm. Because the Lord's my shepherd, he restores me completely. Now, God is concerned with our physical restoration, but he's most concerned with our spiritual restoration. Mm. Because the Lord's my shepherd... He leads me into righteous paths for his sake. Because the Lord is my shepherd, he comforts me in my darkest moments. And because the Lord is my shepherd, he vindicates me and brings me back into his house forever. Although the final vindication, you know, getting getting rid of sin completely will be good, I, I would suggest it's going to be bittersweet as we see some people outside the city that we've loved and strived to save. As we do all we can to reach others with God's amazing love, remember that what lies ahead for us will make all these life's worries and cares pale into insignificance. Mm. The Lord is our shepherd, and he dis- displays to us his amazing love because he wants us to return to his house for all our days. Mm. 
Well, that's a fantastic summary. I'm going to ask our listeners to text us in on our show number 0488880891. What part of this study, this seven-part series, uh, or what verse in Psalm 23 has really impacted you the most in our in our studies? If you haven't um, listened to them all, you can do that on the Faith FM website, faithfm.com.au, or you can get the app as well. Now, remember our offer for today, Amazing 6. Text that into our number, 0488880891. Just the word, Amazing 6. No spaces, just on its own, and we'll get that book out to you. Now, we're going to listen to a song shortly, David, but um, uh, as we go out. But uh, just before we do, what's you've, what have you got planned for us next in our next series? In the next series, Jason, I'd like to change gears and begin looking at God's amazing love demonstrated and expressed through his character historically, uh, presently, and promise for the future. And the talk, this is looking at different um, uh, illustrations through the Bible, and the talk's entitled, the first one's entitled, I Cannot Speak. So I know that you'll enjoy that. And on Monday, join us with David Leo with Jesus Takes Action, uh, continuing the study on Mark 1. Here's our song, Can You Reach My Friend? And this is by Debbie Boone. We'll uh, talk to you on Monday. Thanks, David. Thanks, Jason. I really appreciate it. We laughed about how we had changed But I could tell things weren't going as well as he claimed Tried to hide his feelings, but they only gave him away. The longer I listened, the more I kept wishing that I knew the right words to say. Like to find